Welcome to From a Certain Point of View, a Wooden Bull Films podcast, everyone. I'm Hayden Woodhead. Thank you for joining us as we lay down some something-somethings on uh, something <laughs> new something. New episode. That's the one I'm looking for. Lay down some track on a new episode. Uh, back with me is my favorite flavor of the week, of every week. <laughs> the man on the other mic is Mr. Fantastic himself, Mr. Justin Turnbull. Now, today is another super fun and important episode. But before we get too far into that, uh, I think Justin has a few things that he wants to get off his chest. So how hey. you doing is number one. And what are those things? T- terrible. Yeah, I mean, is it, is it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I can't even talk. Let's not worry about how I'm doing. Uh, I kid. Is yeah, as is you know, is a little bit in a in a little bit of a, a fired up mood before the show. Technology sometimes really grinds my gears. But uh, before I before I let everybody know what's coming up, I have to I have to I mean, if I'm your favorite flavor, I need to know what flavor am I. The flavor of the week? (laughs) Yeah, no. Hey, if you had to pick an ice cream flavor for me, what would it be? Well, you're clearly not vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Think think about it. Think about it. I'll let people know what's coming up, and then we'll we'll put you on the spot. Okay, okay. Uh, Welcome, everybody. Yes, thanks for coming back. It's your first time. Um awesome to have you uh this show we got coming up we are going to we got some trade talk piling up we didn't get to really any last week because the big trade news of course was gina getting fired from mandalorian and it naturally took us into an episode about um what people call cancel culture so if you haven't heard that one check it out um so yeah we got some some trade stuff from from last week that we want to talk about, as well as some new stuff. Um, and also what we didn't get to last week, which we said we were going to in the intro, but again, we went a little bit off course, is the um, we have the rest of the Shao interview from two episodes back, because we just talked to him for so long. It was such a great conversation. So he had actually presented us with a listener question and we brought it up with him on air. Uh, So we're going to, we're going to plunk that in, into this episode because I know a lot of people have been wanting to hear the rest of rest of that. Um, If you have a listener question for us, feel free to email one to us at from a certain point of view podcast at gmail.com or you could reach out to us on any one of our socials facebook from a certain point of view instagram from a certain point of view podcast twitter from a certain po1 hit us up there uh we like to get involved with you guys it's cool it's fun you guys is i use i uh i think we might do some speed quotes after that we did do some speed quotes with Shao, so depending on the time we may we may do some or we may not 
you'll have to listen to the end to find out. And of course, uh, after, after that, we go over to the wonderful Rachel, Rachel's review. She's going to talk about some, what she's been watching and, and, and what's going on with her and, and, and all that. And we're going to wrap it up nicely with a little whiskey shot. What's coming next week. But before all that, and before we get into what we're watching, because that's how we normally start the show, Hayden, I've stalled as long as I could. <laughs> now, the people want to know. The people want to know what flavor of ice cream is Mr. Fantastic to the brief. Well, I decided to think of all the things that make up Mr. Fantastic, and I just turned it into ice cream. So oh. it's not very unique. It's uh, it's gonna be a spicy whiskey maple vanilla ice cream. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. Can I guess why? Yes, you can. Vanilla because I'm white. Whiskey because I like whiskey. Um. Uh. It was a spicy whiskey. What was the other one? Maple. Maple, because I'm Canadian. Maple syrup, because I'm Canadian. Spicy, because you just, I'm so sizzling hot. <laughs> exactly, man. I couldn't say it outright, so I had to say, oh, I was, I'm going to make him a spicy ice cream. <laughs> uh, I, I say that as a joke, because I'm spicy. You never know if I'm going to be too hot or too bland. You just don't know what you're going to get. Exactly. And you really tie a meal together. I mean, a room together. <laughs> that spice just brings it all. It wraps it up nicely. Wraps it up. Just pulls all of it together. I like that. That was very. That was very unique. Now, where is there an ice creamy that allows me to create my own flavors? They, they do it with wineries. Yeah. If anybody listening out there happens to be an ice cream maker, would you make a spicy maple whiskey vanilla ice cream? And just let us know how terrible it is. Or how fantastic it is. Or how fantastic. <laughs> how See, fantastic. Yin and yang. Yeah. There you go. Uh but yeah, man, what's what's uh what's been going on with you? What are you watching? Um, a few new ones for this week. Um, I had plans to watch a couple of movies because we were originally going to record tomorrow, but uh, things fell through and opened up, so we recorded today. So why not? Um, why not? But yeah, I didn't get to any films this past week, which is usually how it is at the moment, just because works so much, and I'm trying to edit the podcast at the same time and trying to write. So writing has been on stall for a little bit. It's annoying the bilibidios out of me. I just made that up. It's just a sound. <laughs> um, I, was, I, I, was, I, was, I was like, I didn't understand what he just said, what that word was, but I'm happy that you clarified that for me. <laughs> if someone's out there, I was like, I know exactly what that word means. Yeah, yeah. It means whatever. Uh, yeah, the writing stalled, which is annoying because – I know exactly where it needs to go. I'm like the the next scene is just sitting here in the front, hmm. but I haven't written it down yet. Anyway, I'll be able to do that tomorrow. Um, but I've 
I'm all caught up on WandaVision. And I'm excited because tomorrow is a new episode. And folks, this comes out on Monday, but we're recording it on Thursday night. So by the time you see it, WandaVision will have been out for three days. So um, by the time you hear it. So I'm excited about that because the final part of it, or the final two to catch up, I was like, holy baduli. <laughs> um, so that was good. Uh, but Alex, she watched the first three episodes like two or three times because I kept falling asleep. So we caught up. And then the last two episodes I watched and she fell asleep. So she hasn't seen the last two episodes yet to mm. catch up. But She's like, how do you like it? <laughs> I'm like, I don't mind watching you. Know? <laughs> oh, I have, I have a new story. I have a new story. <laughs> Moist alert. Moist, Moist alert. alert. I'll get into it real quick. Uh, because we have a new catch that um, is kind of angled back. So if you sit at the back of it, you're like, you're sinking into this couch because it's, it's old and comfortable. Um, so every time I sit in it, I fall asleep really quick. Then mm-hmm. Alex is always just like tapping me, kicking me. She's like, do you want to sit forward so you don't fall asleep? And I'm like, yeah. And then I won't move. <laughs> and she's like, no, like seriously, like move forward or you're going to fall asleep. So I do. And so I'm no longer like cranked to the side like I used to, which caused the moist moustache. Now it just comes straight out and straight down. So I might have to alter it and call it like a a, a blibbly beard. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was like uh, dribbly, a bibbly. A dribbly bibbly. A dribbly bibbly because it just goes straight down. But the other day I was, I don't even know what we're watching. I think it's Shameless, which is another show I've been watching. Because when the new season of Shameless dropped, we uh, Alex was like, well, I can put a pause on WandaVision for the week and we'll watch Shameless. So I was watching Shameless mm-hmm. and um, I legit was like, I sat in the back of the couch and I was head forward, dribbly bibbly all the way <laughs> down. And no joke, it was like a solid, like huge <laughs> – Six inch radius drool patch on my shirt and my beard, and I was so much. I'm like, where did this all come from? <laughs> it's the, your chest hair is the moist chest yeah. hair now. Yeah, I was like, it's gone through all my layers. And she's like, yeah, you drooled a lot, and I was like, <laughs> she's, still think I'm to, sexy? No, like, you're, you, you need to have it. a sh- yeah, you need to have a shower before you come to bed. Yeah. Well, the worst thing was it was when we had that cold snap. So we went for a walk and I'm like, it's so <laughs> cold. Anyway, so one division, yeah. shameless. Um, Ch- chest hair's all crisping up from this like frosting. <laughs> <laughs> snap. Snap. Hey, it's a new shaving technique. Yeah. Just drool all over your chest hair, go outside in the cold, snap it off. Snap it off. You're welcome. No ingrowns. Smooth. Smooth. So back on topic. Yeah. The last <laughs> news show that I watched was um, Kevin James, who we were talking about in the pre-show because mm. of his connection with Adam Sandler, has a new show on Netflix called The Crew. 
and I had not seen any trailers for it. They just kind of had the picture up saying the crew coming um, February 14th or whatever it was. It was like a Valentine's Day drop. And um, Alex started watching it just while I was doing work. And then I was like, oh, I wanted to watch it. So she was like, cool, you can watch it. No, then I'll, I'll do whatever to play catch up. And it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it's it, all those sitcoms run a similar formula. The jokes are there um, and it all is situational, right? But this one is about a NASCAR pit crew team. Like they're a car team and mm. it follows them. So he's he's not the owner, but he's like the general manager, I think. Or he's been there for 25 years and then the daughter of the, the owner becomes the new boss. So obviously, you know, head's clonking and then she tries to bring the team into the modern age. Mm. Um, but it's got some familiar faces in it from other sitcoms, uh, but it's good. I'm enjoying it. It's hilarious. I like his stuff. I like his stuff. And that's an interesting idea for a show because, I mean, you just don't see too many shows based around nascar or like that sort of scene the last one i could think of that i watched was a film talladega nights yeah rick bobby if you're not first you're last ricky so the crew is a good show uh it's a it's only a 10 episode uh series at the moment but hopefully because it's netflix they'll produce a second season like in like four months five months you know get those episodes running mm-hmm. out if hopefully it gets past the the three season like curse that i've noticed on some shows on netflix netflix originals they get like two dope seasons and then a third season that's like also good and then they're like eh, yeah yeah we another show yeah anyway that's my viewing there was a film but i'll talk about that later if i want to that i didn't get to that i'm going to tomorrow but uh, what about you? What you been watching, man? Oh, man. Uh, so I finished off Messiah. I remember I had like an episode and a half left. Oh, I can't believe because I said, you, I, like, I've remembered all these big moments that happened. And then, but I couldn't remember how it ended. I, I can't believe I, I couldn't remember how it ended. It's such like a big thing. It's like, holy crap. And then, uh, but for whatever reason, but I'm happy I didn't because it was like, it was new. Um, so yeah, I finished that and I just, man, people, it's one season. Watch it. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Um, and just like, yeah, it, it, a really fun journey to go on as an audience. I found and what else did I watch? Oh, we watched the um, the new SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was kind of it was fun, and it had some like Keanu Reeves was like <laughs> this <laughs> like this head in a, a a tumbleweed, and he was like their vision. He was like quest or vision. I don't know whatever you call it. He like sort of blow in and then like talk to them and then blow out. But he was like real, right? Uh, 
like SpongeBob is animated, but then there's this real Keanu Reeves in this like tumbleweed that would just like blow in every once in a while and like take guide them through their journey. So I thought that was kind of fun. Is a good one with the kids. Uh, kids really liked it. I also had like Snoop Dogg and Danny Trejo in it at one point, like actual like live action. They like end up in the real world at one point, like very briefly. So that it was kind of is fun and it was fun with the kids, but then to have these, you know, uh, people in it that um, the grownups know is, is like, you know, there's Snoop, he's rapping for them. It's not what I'm used to him rapping about, but I'll accept it. <laughs> and, um, and I watched a really good Diane Lane and Kevin Costner film called Let Him Go. And it was, whew, it was good. It was intense. Um, this isn't a spoiler because it happens at the very beginning. It's the whole premise of the film. But Kevin Costner and uh, Diane Lane's they have a son. His son's married to a woman and they had just had a child and the son dies. So then it sort of jumps like three years later and the, the, his, their son's widow and grandchild's mother remarries and remarries this guy. And I forget the character's name, but Diane Lane like finds out that uh, this new guy is abusing um, the child and the the wife. And she wants to get her grandson away, obviously. And But he ends up taking them to his family's place. They have a house like in the woods in North Dakota or on some land. And so they're like, they want to go and basically rescue them. And... So it's like a thriller, but it was just really neat to see those two actors doing it because, you know, they're, they're not young anymore. It's not like, you know, some 30 year olds that are going to like rescue these kids and, and get into like big shootouts or whatever, you know, it's like this, these grandparents who are going to rescue, rescue this child and this woman, um, so there was some, it took some turns in there that I did not see coming, but as I said to Kate, it's rated R, it's, I know it's going to be good. And she's like, why? Just because it's rated R? And I said, yeah. I said, because real life is R rated. <laughs> like, you know, it, real life isn't PG 13. So if it comes with an R rating, then I'm like, okay, this is going to deal with some, some real life stuff. Uh, so that was a good one. And then I watched, finally, I've been wanting to watch it for a while now, is um, Black Klansman by Spike Lee. Um, oh, man, I liked it. It was so good. And, like, Spike Lee, I can't believe the guy's been making, like, critically acclaimed films for something like 30 years or over 30 years. And it was he finally won his first Oscar for this. Uh, it wasn't for directing, it was for adapted screenplay, but nonetheless, um, an Oscar, I don't know, do you remember when he won it, he like ran up on stage and like jumped into Samuel L. Jackson's arms, like he was jacked. So, um, 
I was uh, been wanting to see it since it came out. Um, so finally got around to that. And what I really liked about it is like, well, it was, it was, you know, it dealt with some heavy themes, but at the same time it was like, it was fun and enjoyable, you know? And it's sort of like, that's one thing I liked about what Spike Lee was able to do with that is he's sort of like shine this mirror on like, you know, what was going on in America back then. And especially for being a, a black man. Um, but I find sometimes when I would watch like movies about black history, I couldn't help but feel guilty for being a white person. Yes. And I'm like, I, 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 I have nothing to do with that, but I can't help it. When I watch it, I was like, I, I feel guilty. So I really, what I really enjoyed about this and what he's doing is, is he was able to shine this light on that. But at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't have any of those feelings because he did it in a way where it was just like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, you know, you could see, you saw what was happening, um, but he was still really able to just, you know, make these characters that are in it um like really real and, and human so you could sort of i don't know um can't think of the, the, the find the word i i'm 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 looking for right now but yeah so i didn't feel guilty watching that one so that was good uh you so you've had that feeling before oh yeah all the time i you watch yeah. a film and you go because clearly, I mean, that obviously I think is a sign of that we were raised as inclusive of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you see it and you're like, I can't believe that there was ever anybody that looked upon someone else as lesser than them. And then I'm always like, I feel so bad that this is like, mm-hmm. that this has happened, even though I'm not directly like, so I, I, I know the exact feeling. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like it's really it's a terrible feeling to have, and but I'm glad that there are story makers that that are able to entice like and incite that emotion in me because it allows you to oh. reflect and look. So I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I know, yeah, and like, and of course, in some of the the films that where they they do you know get into the that that history, they obviously want you to feel something but um guilt is is just one that i've battled with i'm like why am i feeling guilty right now um so yeah it's really uh really happy to finally get to that one spike lee just makes good movies man um he does and then he has another one out at the moment that's on netflix that i want to get to um the five bloods Oh, oh! You're, I think you're talking to telling me about that one the other day. Yes, I've, I don't think I've seen that one because it's got um, Chadwick. Oh, it's one of his last films, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, um, and it's about what is it about? It's about the Vietnam War, I believe. So, hmm. But that's uh, that's so just some more. Some more light entertainment by Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, and he's also got, um, oh, what is it called? 
he redid one of his early films as a TV show. Oh. Uh, She's Gotta Have It, I think, which was like his first film. Uh, And then he did it as a, a recently as a TV series. Oh, interesting. And I think it's got two, maybe three seasons. They took the same story premise and just bumped it uh, into the yeah, modern age, 30 this years. The modern age. Yeah. So I just, I just want to say uh, for people who haven't heard of Black Klansman or know what it's about, recommend it. It's about um, uh, this Colorado Springs, this guy i forget his name ray something becomes the first african-american to become a a police officer in in that town or city and he ends up you know you know his first operation goes really well but instead of continuing it they're like uh we're gonna put you into intelligence and he's just like uh what (laughs) like a group of them go to intelligence like budget cuts sorry and then he just sees like an ad in the paper for uh you know if if you want more information on the clan call this number and he's a black man obviously but so he calls this number and ends up making contact with the the clan the ku klux klan and arranges a meeting to meet to try and because he wants to get a member he's obviously going undercover but he can't physically go there because he's a black man so he gets another police officer at the department who ends up going undercover who happens to be Jewish. So it's like, and so when they're talking on the phone, it's Ray, this African-American talking to the clan members. And then when it's the in-person stuff, it's this white Jewish guy who's pretending to be Ray and trying to match their sounds and what they've talked about on the phone. And it's, it's really fun. I mean, it's, they do a really good job of, and it's a true story. It's it's all based on a true story. It's 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 fascinating. Um, it's really worth a watch. Um, there are moments where they really deal with sort of like the history of what was going on in America at that time. But it's not like it doesn't. It's not like you know doesn't bombard you with that. It's also a very f- sort of funny movie. Like it has some really funny moments in it but also some really like raw, real moments. So it's like this nice blend. Like he really just does a good job with this film. So I recommend it. And I also found it very, um, what he did, the stories of what from the seventies, but he manages, he links it. If you watch the, all the way to the end, he montages what's mm-hmm. occurred in the seventies to what happened in the United States in the past four years. So it's mm-hmm. like this this kind of behavior was around in the seventies is still around now. And the way that that the way that he cut it together, I was like, holy yeah. crap! Like, yeah. very powerful cinema that that lasts like, yeah, fifteen minutes or whatever of that film. And it's really interesting because it doesn't like nothing is said it's like you say it just sort of splices into the end of the film and yeah i like how there's nothing said or anything it's just for you as the audience member to see the film and see 
be like, oh, this is what things used to be like. And then it sort of cuts into like, well, wait a minute, there are still people out there like this today. This is happening. So, um, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Really good job. And actually, I watched this show called Amend, which came out on Netflix, which is a uh, limited documentary series hosted by Will Smith on the 14th Amendment in the United States, which is, I think I'm about an episode and a half in, which is interesting as well. But that's, that's about it. Nice. Zip now, I just it. wanted to say, that's uh, John David Washington as the lead in that movie. And that's yes. Denzel Washington's son. And it's one of those moments where you're watching like, man, he looks exactly like his dad. And then also, he doesn't look anything like his dad. It's weird. It's mm-hmm. one of those like weird. Anyway, he's turning into quite the phenomenal actor, which is an anomaly when it comes to uh, legacy actors I've found. Like, there's not many. It's like you've got a parent that's really good. And then the kid is usually like, I want to be in movies like my parents and they're never any good. <laughs> there are a couple that have like the Douglas family, um, the Washingtons. Like who else would have been? Uh, I mean, I was just writing this down because I was like, oh, this might be good for a future episode. Legacy actors. Yeah. Uh, there's the Sheen family. Yeah. The Sheen, Sheen family. Uh, the Jolie family. Wright, what was his name? Something Wright was her dad. John Voight. Voight, that's it, Voight. So yeah, and I was just like, he's actually in this film that I wanted to watch before we did this episode, but uh, I'll watch it tomorrow anyway. And, um, it's called Malcolm and Marie. And I'm curious as to watch that film because it's got him and it's got, uh, oh, what's her name, Zendaya. As the two leads, and it's one of the first. I think I brought it up on the one of the last episodes, but it was actually shot uh, as one of the first feature films of when COVID kicked in. So they were like, "Oh, we're oh. going to shut down the industry," and then this film with within like two three months was was created and then shot. So, but I was like, I really like his his uh, acting chops. Are, and same with Zendaya, she's like. You know, she used to be on what Disney Channel, and then, and then she ended up, and then I didn't see her on anything, and then she was in Spider Man, but she's like progressing as an actress as well. Like she's really got some chops on her. So hmm. check them out, people. Some check, 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 check them out. Mike, what, check. What, what, ha, what, ha, what, what's ha. it all about? What's a, what's a, what's it all about? Hey, take us out of here. All right. I'm going to move <laughs> us along now because we talked quite a bit about what we've been watching, but there's a lot of things that I have been reading about as well, about things that are coming up. And I'm just going to rattle a whole bunch of them off. And you probably won't hear all of them, audience, because I will cut <laughs> some of them out. But this is the trade talk section. I'm just going to rattle these all off so you can skip ahead if you don't like the next word that comes out of my mouth, but it's Paramount Plus. We announced a couple of episodes back that Paramount 
uh, cinemas, or Paramount Studios, sorry, had finally entered into the streaming race. Yay, welcome. Yay, welcome. But we were like, they got nothing. What are they going to have on their platform? <laughs> they, they have Plus. They have Plus. Got, they got the Plus. They have Paramount Plus. Plus. So I was like, well, they have to come up with some marquee shows to get people to want to subscribe, right? So one of the gentlemen that we ran into when we were in Cannes was Chelsea Grammer. Now, what is he famous for? Okay, wait a minute. Time out. Tio, did you say Chelsea? Yeah. What is it? Is it Kelsey? Isn't it? It's Kelsey, isn't it? It's Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> Someone correct me. I think I thought I heard you say Chelsea Grammer I did on say a Chelsea. previous one, but I was like, oh, I think I just heard that wrong. You yeah. want to know why I say that? Because there's an outtake in Rush Hour where Chris Tucker is on the telephone with the ransom dude and he's trying to say, who do you think you kidnapped Chelsea Clinton? But he can't get it right. And one of the ones that he says is Chelsea Grammer, I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's like, oh, sure. It's like stuck in my head. Yeah, sure. Blame Chris Tucker because yeah. he's not here. He was supposed to be here this episode, but he couldn't make it. But yeah, him and blame him. Writing Rush Hour 4. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, grammar. Yes, Kelsey Grammar. It's a good thing I didn't go. Hey, what's up, Chelsea? (laughs) You're my favorite Chelsea, bro. (laughs) Bro. Um. Anyway, what show is he famous for? Oh, I know this one. There's two, Fraser, and before that, he was in Mash. Is it Mash? No, I'm. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mash was that old Korean war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he had a small sp- small role in that. People wouldn't See, remember. Now just... I would have called him Chelsea and be like, I love you in Mash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Like, Who are they talking to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would, yeah. So uh, Chelsea from Mash, what's he doing? <laughs> he is in talks to do a Frasier revival for Paramount Plus. Mm. So I was like, well, there you go. There's your marquee show, Paramount Plus. You're going to get a big chunk of audience um, from fans of that show. Uh, it's going to be an older audience, so Just they might not f- be so savvy on streaming. But <laughs> yeah, I don't they, mean, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to be ageist, folks. I was about to make an ageist joke. Um, did you ever watch that show? Did you ever watch Fraser? Every now and then in Australia, it was on a later time slot. And it was one of those shows that was deemed inappropriate for me to watch in my household. Like Seinfeld. I wasn't allowed to watch Seinfeld for a while. Mm. Um, I couldn't watch The Simpsons. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. See, I was all right to watch The Simpsons. So So wait a minute, Teal, you're watching First Blood and freaking... That was at my dad's house. Oh, yeah. In my yeah, mother's yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was certain things I wasn't allowed to watch. Plus, it was it was like a ten o'clock show, I think, or maybe even it was like an eight thirty. I used to go to bed mm. early when I was a kid, like so. I mm. I saw mm-hmm. it, but I think it was also a little um, more sophisticated than what I would would have been able to comprehend at the time. I would have like missed mm. half the jokes and the humor. And so that's probably another reason why I didn't watch it. So mm. Yeah, I never I never I knew it was big, but I never 
I mean, you know, sometimes you'd see it on and I'd be on it for like four seconds and be like, what do I want to watch a bunch of foo foods talking about this stuff for? (laughs) I was like, where's my fresh Prince of Bel-Air? You know, like, exactly. Give me some big willy. That's all I need. Now, what I like about it, though, is that he and his brother on Frasier play the Sideshow Bob and his brother in The Simpsons. Oh, so you got oh, the same, th- yeah. That's good. Cecil or whatever his name is. Yeah. Shao, you're gonna murder me if I got that one wrong because Simpsons is our jam. Anyway, so that was one of them, and then the next one that's also just been announced today, I think, for Paramount Plus is uh, comedian Craig Robinson, or I should say, comedian film star. Now he's in. Um, He's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as the Pontiac Bandit guy, like the buddy, <laughs> if you know the character. Or he's in uh, Zach and Miri make a porno. He's in that. Um, I'm trying to put a f- face to the name, but I, I I tried getting into Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I couldn't get into it. Oh, man. You got to get past episode seven. Bro, bro, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I gave it like a good healthy try. And I like some Andy Samberg stuff too. And actually the, is it there, the chief or whatever he's in, is it another show I like? But anyways, uh, maybe I'll give it another try. I'm just going to, for the folks, this guy. Oh, he's in the office and he's in... um. Hot Tub Time Machine. He's yes, in, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's uh, he's been given a show. Good. He's always sort of played like a supporting character. Yeah, good for him. So, what is it? Peacock announced. So Peacock is NBC, but which is Peacock. also Peacock is its own streaming service as well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Can somebody just put all these streaming services together in a package? Yeah, so he's getting a show too. So that was that one. So I was like, all right. Nice. Right, all right, all right. Now, did you have anything that you came across? Or I can just keep on going because I got some hot and heavy stuff coming up oh, next. Oh, my goodness. Give me some of the hot and heavy. I can only imagine what it's going to be. Now, ladies. And gentlemen, we all love that show, Bridgerton. Ooh, say it again. Bridgerton. Slower. <laughs> Bridge. Er. Turn. Oh, <sighs> oh my god. The Duke of Hastings himself. Mm. Mr. Reggae Jean. Page. Now he's been out to quite a bit. He is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. And if you're listening on Monday, he hosted Saturday Night Live three days ago. <laughs> and it was so, great. <laughs> and it was great. He's hilarious. He's very good. He's great. He's a good actor. Um, but he's also IMDb's Star Meter Award winner of February, I think, which means that he Woo! was trending number one pretty much for the month of January, February. That would probably be because he had a hit show out 
and uh, it had quite a lot of viewers, mm. and it caused mm-hmm. a lot of. I got inside information from a friend of mine who works at a very large bookstore in Australia, uh, not Australia, in Canada, called <laughs> Indigo, or if you have not heard of it, it used to be called Chapters. But uh, all of the Bridgerton books sold out. <laughs> Cannot forever, <get> forever, <laughs> ever since the show dropped flying off the shelves so that dude's dude's flying on up so that's that and there's also a little bit of casting news for season two of that show which i wasn't able to find the name of the woman but i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot because just make one up i'm just gonna make one up one of the lovely actresses from another television show called sex education which is a Netflix show. It is absolutely hilarious. That show, I'm just going to go on a tangent quickly, is about a young boy whose mother is a sex therapist. But he is intimately stunted, to say the least. Like He doesn't, uh, he, he can't find himself being, I guess, turned on like other peers of his age. He's only like a 15, 16-year-old kid in high school. But he ends up doing a like sex therapy for his fellow students because he knows obviously he's heard his mum talk about it because she, you know, constantly. So he decides to take his therapist like knowledge and apply it to other teenage kids in a very randy British school. Mm. Um, mm. It's a great show, two seasons out at the moment. Uh, watch it. It deals with a lot of like good stuff, like relationships and family dramas, all kinds of stuff. It's really good, hilarious. Anyway, one of the actresses in that has been cast as the female lead uh, love interest in mm. season two of Bridgerton. Simone Ashley. She is, uh, yes, British actress of Indian heritage with a Tamil background. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I like about um, Bridgerton, actually, even with like reggae is like it takes part in the Regency era, like the early 1800s. And yet you have... Like normally, if you're watching something from the early 1800s of this, like people of this class, it's like all white. And then maybe if you had like somebody of color, they have some sort of, you know, traumatic background or, or they're, you know what I mean? That's, but with Bridgerton, they sort of just ignore all that and they just have whoever they want playing the role and it just is. And that's how life is and it works and so i really think that that's cool that shonda Rhimes has just has done that and you know there's no nobody's like well this isn't periodically correct or this wouldn't you know it just is and it's cool and so it's really neat to sort of see see that play out in these times because you're it's it's new you know Mm -hmm. you don't you've never seen it before it's good to take away it's like this is a what if of what should have been that there should have been yeah. no, no race divide mm-hmm. ever. 
So I really enjoy that as well. It's yeah, exactly. The queen is a as a, a woman of color, like the, yeah. the queen of England, right? Queen of England. So it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, so good for her. Good for Simone, Miss Ashley. Yes. So those of you that have been salivating, mm. you can continue to salivate mm. while the show preps and gears up to film. And I'm guessing it's going to be in the spring, summertime in jolly old England. And then hopefully we'll have that season two of Bridgerton. Following a whole bunch of, not new characters, but uh, different characters of the family uh, by the end of the year. Or maybe even the summer. Yeah. Oh, Christmas, yes. I I feel like Christmas. They they did the Christmas Day launch 2020, so maybe they'll do the same thing. Yes. Don't keep depends the people on, waiting. It all depends on what happens with uh, restriction liftings, I think. Because if all of a sudden you get an influx of 50 million blockbuster films and all of these top-ending shows, they're all going to be mm. fighting for that, when am I going to release? So yeah, we'll see. So, folks, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. But in the meantime, you can watch the show on repeat. You can read the books if you can find them. You might even want to write some fan fiction if it so takes your fancy. Mm. I have one book. I'm selling it for $583 if anybody wants it. Now, we are running a little bit, and I was going to run on a whole spiel of DC news, um, but I might just skip ahead to the main one. Uh, everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody, but everybody that's into superhero films might have seen the Zack Schneider trailer that was just released for his Justice League cut. Now, Justin hasn't watched it yet, so no spoilers by me. But That's okay. I, I don't care if you spoil the trailer. <laughs> spoil the trailer. Now, so what Zack Schneider was doing, he had to leave the film because of family issues and another director came on board to finish it. Um, nobody seemed to like it, but it made $700 million at the box office, so a lot of you went to watch it anyway. We do that. Um, yeah. yeah we're just, it's garbage. Oh, I'm going to see it anyways. <laughs> I'm going to see it anyway. Yeah. But he lobbied to – well, actually, I think it was the fans lobby to have the Zack Snyder cut release because he said that there was a cut of the film that he had that he wanted the people to see. And usually when that's spoken about, it's never true. Everyone always kind of makes things up. It's like, oh, there's a director's cut that's much better than what the studio released. They're saying the same thing for Suicide Squad with um, – what's his name? David Ayer. They have like a director's cut of that film because that was all chopped and changed by the studio. Um, But the Snyder Cut turned out to be true and it's releasing on HBO Max in the United States. I've got no idea in the rest of the world because I don't think every region has HBO Max, so I don't know how we're going to be able to view it. They'll probably have it. Everything that seems to go to HBO Max pops up on my demand to buy. And there we go. So they're releasing the Justice League as a four-hour film. It's gone through a couple of iterations. It was like it's going to be four one-hour like 
blocks and then it's going to okay. be two two-hour films and but now it's like it's a four-hour film oh <laughs> is that a record he, yeah of what he wanted see that's what they would have done they would have cut that into two if it went to cinema they would have gone like this is a part one this is a part two yeah that's true but it's it's gonna have dark side in it it's gonna have who is the main bad dude that I thought was going to originally be in it, because he's uh, referred to in Wonder Woman, I think. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched those DC films. But there's the proper death and rebirth of Superman. There's um, there's Darkseid. There's the formation of the Justice League. They bring back the Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. Yes. And his look, I really like his look. I, I didn't mind his look in Suicide Squad. I was like, this is a different take on the Joker. Mm-hmm. And everyone was kind of like, um, <laughs> there's new scenes with him. Now, there was also new footage released from the Suicide Squad. So there, were, like, he used to murmur about how Jared Leto, that there was enough footage filmed of the Joker to make its own film. But it was all ended up on the cutting room floor, and everyone was like, "Whatever, man, you're just annoyed that mm. no one likes your version of the Joker." And blah 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 blah. I think it's true because mm. there's all of this stuff popping up, all of this footage. So obviously, stuff was filmed, and then new stuff was filmed as well for the Justice League film. We're seeing between Batman and the Joker. Now, who knows how much of that is in the film? It might be one scene, it might be many, it might be a small part, it might be a huge part of the story, but it's a whole bunch of freaking stuff dangled in our faces that makes me <laughs> want to go and watch it. I was so excited when I found out Jared Leto was going to be the Joker in Suicide Squad. I'm a big Leto fan, and I was like, damn, like, the first one to do it after Heath, I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do a bang-up job. I just know it. Um, and then all the news started coming out before it was released where he was, like, sort of talking down, saying stuff like that. Like, they cut him out of the movie completely. Like, they cut everything out. And, and like you say, people were like, oh, yeah, you're just saying that because you're ha- unhappy. Nobody likes you. And when I watched it, I was like, I could see the potential for that version of the Joker, but it was like, there's too much going on in that movie that I felt, you know, like in in the Dark Knight with Heath's version, it's like Batman, the Joker, you know, in Joaquin's the Joker, it's like, the Joker, you know, with Suicide Squad, it's like there's just so many big name character actors and characters. That I felt like nobody really had the opportunity to to shine, and they didn't but, make him the main villain. He was like yeah. a side villain. Yeah, exactly. It was weird, and it was not. They, I don't, I don't think they utilized him the way they could have as a character and as a performer. I do have to say, I mean, everybody who's been cast as the Joker, they've done an amazing job. Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, 
Jared Leto, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, come on. If there's one thing they're doing right, it's casting the Joker, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DC ain't doing too much else right, in my opinion, but. But their casting is good. Now, what I found interesting is that um, Zack Schneider was like, hey, I had to put these two characters together because in the Ben Affleck Batman, there has been no on screen of him and the Joker. Yet there's been a Batman and there's been a Joker and they've moved on, yet there was none of them together. Hmm. Like the scene in the Suicide Squad is like two seconds. Um, So he's like, I had to have them actually interact with one another on screen. It's, it's Batman and the Joker. Like, yeah, are they, they're, yeah, they're, they're supposed to interact. Yeah. So I was like, oh, because he was like, I really want to see these two characters uh, go at it. Or like, he also said that about um, uh, Deathstroke. Um, Joe, I can't ever say your last name, Magnolo. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Um, now, if you hear what he said about his film, they were going to do this is what Bat, Batfleck, Ben <laughs> Affleck's um, script for his Batman film was those two fighting against each other. And I'm like, they're like throwing rumors out that there's going to be a Ben Affleck and a Jared Leto film that they really need to do. But then, of course, you run into issues of like, well, is Matt Reeves. Um, Robert Patterson Batman mm-hmm. in a different universe or is it in the same? Who knows? DC is going to be wild. DC doesn't know what they're doing. They're trying to, they're playing catch up. <laughs> what they are ahead of the game on though is we dropped some rumor, not some rumor, we dropped some knowledge on um, the Spider-Verse how they were bringing mm. all of these different Spider-Men from all the different iterations together. DC is, well, they had the idea and the script before that for a Flashpoint, which is where the Flash is able to time jump and you get these different iterations of superheroes. Now, they did it on the TV show, but they were going to do it in a live-action one for whatever his name is, Ezra, no, What's the guy that plays the Flash? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He was going to get a Flash film and they went around the bush so many times that it's been delayed, but it was finally happening. Now they're bringing in Ben Affleck for that film as well and they're bringing in Michael Keaton. They also had Ray Fisher in there who played the cyborg. Now the reason why I bring this up is because just the other day, um, one of the actresses from an old TV show called Buffy brought forth accusations against Josh Wyden, who was the showrunner for Buffy. He was also the director of the first two Avengers films, and he was the director that came on board to finish off the Justice League film after Zack Schneider had to leave. She brought up ac- accusations of abuse and poor behavior on set, and then Sarah Michelle Gellar and a bunch of other cast members from Buffy have also come forward to support that claim. What I find interesting is that the media has jumped on this, but Ray Fisher made these exact same claims almost a year ago, July last year, 
about his treatment on set of Justice League when Josh Wyden came on board. So there's obviously a pattern of abuse by this director. It was mentioned then Warner Brothers tried to, I'm not going to say tried to hush it. They said it was dealt with. <laughs> it's trying to hush it. No. Yeah. So anyway, Ray Fisher kept chirping, rightfully so, on social media, using his platform, getting the voice out there. And Warner Brothers wrote him out of the Flash film. They wrote his character out. And I was because they're like, you're causing too much rocking off the boat. And I'm like, that is a load of BS. And now that this, yeah. And now that this next thing's come out, I hope that he gets put back in. Yeah. Because it's not him that should be the one that's treated unfairly. It should be the director and the causer and the initiator of the bad behavior. The abuser. <laughs> the abuser, yeah. Don't abuse people. That's the end of my trade talks, folks. <laughs> I wanted to finish on that one because I thought it was funny, but also good that a second accusation was brought forth of something that happened a year ago that they tried to <laughs> hush away and saying that it was dealt with. Dealt Keep with. the voice strong. Keep making noise until you're heard. That's, that's what's going on there, and that's what's happened. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that film. We'll see what happens with that director. Hopefully, everyone is innocent until proven guilty, folks. So let's not jump down the throats of people until it's finalized. Yeah. But I'm glad it's going somewhere. Yeah. Well, that was some trade talk. Should we... Plunk in, should we plunk in a little, sh- should we give the people what they want? What do the people in, want? I think they want the rest, not the rest rest, because there's still a lot, but another chunk of the, the show interview with the listener, his question, because it's a good one, people. He was, the question was something about movies that were rated really high that but you thought were garbage or you didn't like and he's uh and if you listen to the episode he's an actor over in hong kong and he was saying for example um crazy rich asians which i loved uh everybody i talked to really enjoyed it and was a huge success and he said actually didn't like it and a lot of people over in hong kong actually didn't like it either and so he gives a really good um answer as to why that is so i think we should i think we should send it there what do you think i agree because you'll be able to hear me talk maybe twice (laughs) (laughs) it's a really good discussion it's a really good conversation between justin and Xiao. i have a few things because i actually got the question mixed up and I was just happy to listen. <laughs> so here it is, folks. Listener question with the bruv, Mr. Fantastic, and the dessert prince himself, Mr. Shao. Quite the anomaly for the episode. Special episode, special question, special guest. Shmouch. But first, 
Special special show. Very special show here for you today. Special. What is um, special? Justin, I'm going to hand it it over to you. Yes. Enough of the special. Um, Not really. Yeah. What is the question that uh, we had Shao send to us that we're going to ever so thoughtfully discuss? We're going to discuss it, but I'm going to read the question before we get into it. I'm going to throw something in your face, Shao, because that's what I do. Uh, So Shao's question, and it was a good question. And that's why we felt like we needed to bring him on all the way from Hong Kong just to answer it. It was, what are some critically acclaimed movies that got four stars over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, etc., that did not deserve that score? I'll give you an example. Crazy Rich Asians. I can tell you that most people in Hong Kong actually hated that movie. Now, before we get into why, because I'm curious, I want to know why you hated that. I got to let you know, listeners, people, you know, I like my J-polls. So I had to put it out. I had to put out a J-poll. Do you like, did you like the film Crazy Rich Asians? 78% of you said yes. Oh. 22%, which Xiao was involved because he did vote, said no. So Xiao, you are against the people. Now, mind you, this is mostly Westerners. So you did say people right. in Hong Kong. So what right, is that? Right, right. What is that? Um, uh, f- first of all, um, did I, can I say, nah, yeah, I can say it. I was, I'm very close to really just hating the movie. I wanted to give it more credit. I wanted to give it more credit because it, I do appreciate what it does and what it is as, you know, it's uh, something that gives me an Asian kind of hope that, you know, a movie like that can, can survive and do well. But so when I bring th- this movie up with a, uh, a lot of my friends who I asked about the movie, they, first of all, they did not like the Henry casting because they're like, he's not even Asian. <laughs> like, like he, he's okay. He's half. Okay. Right. But th- just, just the fact that he's good looking is not good enough for a lot of the people here. They're like, if you're doing an Asian movie, have a freaking Asian in as a lead. Okay. That's one thing that, that, but that to me that I didn't really find that, to be the thing that made me not like it. Um, for for me personally, I just think that that movie got a high score because of the movement involved. Not that it was a good script. I think that if you replaced, um, if it wasn't an all Asian cast, it was just so-and-so as the main character and whoever it's a very typical story. It's a very typical, um, I guess, is it a rom-com or do you categorize I, it as I, a, like, it's there's romance and there's comedy. So, I mean, I think it, it could fall under multiple categories, but sure. And we could put it in the rom-com. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. And so I, I didn't think the, 
I think it, the the story itself is something we've seen before. I think the the like I said, if it was repl- re- a different cast, it would probably do worse than than the score that it got. Um, so I that that's the main thing. That's the, the main thing is that the and and a lot of people don't think it really represents. Um, the Asian culture, it, it kind of plays off stereotypes more than anything, but mm. that that's the main that's the main consensus of all uh, mm. everyone I talk to about here. They they don't feel like they're represented fairly, or or they're they're. It's it's hard to say, but for me personally, I just didn't think it was a it was a good movie. Um, I yeah. I yeah I I gotta tell you, I'm on I'm in the the 78% on this. I really enjoyed it. I didn't, you know, I, I think, I mean, it's interesting hearing it, you know, from, from you and, and from people that you've heard back from Hong Kong about how they feel about it. Uh, I find that very interesting. That's the first time I've heard it for me. First and foremost, uh, I liked it as a film. And then I just thought, all these, you know, things that they, they said about it where, you know, with the, the representation in North America of, of the cast and the, the, the director, everybody involved, I thought, oh, that's like a bonus. Right. So I didn't think of it as like, oh, it's great because of the representation. And then, and then the film second, I thought first the film was good. And, and then I thought the, the other stuff was extra. But I know how you feel because there is another film out there that got a lot of hype and a lot of praise uh, because of the representation that were involved. And that's a good thing. But when I watched the movie, I was like, I didn't like the movie. And this, right. I, that's, it's a whole other movie and maybe we can get that to another show. But so that's, that's interesting to hear that from, from you about how uh, – it felt like unrepresentative. Well, I guess that's from other people. You just didn't like the movie, but it's interesting. I think, I think in general, when, when that movie came out and like a year or two following it, Hong Kong is, is, has been in a very sensitive uh, spot in Mm -hmm. terms of political stance, right Mm there. They, they really take pride in their identity and, I feel like that was when that movie came out, it maybe came out on the wrong time or something like that. Cause that was <laughs> when, when Hong Kong really was trying to, was struggling to keep their identity because of what was going on with, with uh, China and all that stuff. That's a whole other thing, but mm-hmm. um, it didn't, it didn't sit well with a lot of people in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you have it, people. Can I just chime in with a little bit here? Uh, no, Hayden, I think we got to move on. But the beauty of having a microphone is he was so po- still he was so polite. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give a standpoint from someone who hasn't actually seen the film. Now yeah. your old J poll came up, and I was like, "There's no maybe." It's like yes, no. I haven't seen the film. It's a two question J poll. It's a two question. Yes or no side. Or two answers. Um, I did. I was working at a bookstore at the time that the film came out, 
and of course the three books in the series of the films was like they just decided to explode off the shelves again and i do agree with your point shall where it was um it was part of a movement and uh this the film came out and it, therefore it gave it a good platform to be as successful as it was. But then as time has gone on, I think people have gone back to it and they've also said the other parts where they're like, it's not it's not groundbreaking. It is literally a certain type of film with a certain type of, you know, group of people yeah. in it. And um, it's great that Hollywood did that, but I'm what's next? There hasn't been anything yeah. since. It's like yeah, it's hype up this big thing and it's great for representation, but we still still see like especially with Lou, he's still I mean he's he's breaking through, but he's still trying to fight the good fight and get his representation on screen too. And I'm like, why is it not like yeah, you had films like Parasite did really well, but that was a foreign film. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for localized yeah. um, you know, those those there's not well, I guess they're minority groups, the BIPOC films to become a standard. I'm still waiting for it to happen. It's like, yeah, we'll do something good and mm-hmm. then they'll just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we'll do something good again. Yeah. Which is why on the last episode we talked about the women in film stuff, because that's been yeah. many years back, huge wave of stuff, and then nothing. And then again, and then nothing. And now it's again, but something I was gonna bring up in trade talk real quick, just to kind of sort of try and hammer the point home golden globes has just nominated three female directors for best director it hasn't in the history in the history of the golden globes there's only been five and they've done three in one go so it's coming back again so i'm wondering if the same sort of thing is going to come like sooner right rather than later for film like crazy rich agents i think it always comes back to opportunity given too I don't think that, and I don't know if it's, it's over here anyways, if it's necessarily like if a woman or somebody from an ethnic minority, they don't, you know, give them a nomination because just going off what you said, Hayden, because of that, or if it's necessarily like those people just aren't getting the opportunities in the first place. I think is, mm-hmm. is is maybe what it what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I have I don't know I have I liked it I liked it, but I have a I do have a that's a that's a great example and a very uh, eye opening perspective that you you brought us in mine my answer to that question. Was and I don't know if it was ninety percent on Rotten Tomato, but it was one. I should have said certified fresh. It doesn't have to be ninety percent. You should have said certified fresh, but you didn't. You said ninety percent. So no, now yeah. I'm going to be able to change it. Yeah, I can't change it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in writing. It's on the interweb. It's there for eternity. But mine was American Psycho, with uh, Christian Bale, Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon, Samantha Mathis, William Defoe all-star cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I also haven't seen that one. Okay. So it's about uh, a wealthy <laughs> New Yorker. I think he's like a, a bank investor and yeah. he's 
into fine dining and making appearances with his fiance and uh, schmoozing it up with people he works with who are scumbags that he actually hates. But on the side, as a knight, he is a serial killer. Um, yeah, so it's sort of a second life. Anyways, um, I was really excited about it because I watched it years, 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 years later. And I, you know, I'd already fallen in love with Christian Bale and um, all the, the actors and actresses in that film really respect and like their work. So I was like, man, this, this is going to be gold. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and there was all this build up and all this hype and twists and turns. And then it gets to the end. And I was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was like, was it, <laughs> was it, was he hallucinating it? Was he not hallucinating it? Was he hallucinating parts of it? Like it left me wondering like what, what did I just waste? Cause Hey, we've talked about this many times where it's like, you watch something and it's like, ha ha, it was a dream. This is, I, I mean, yeah. I know you haven't seen it. It's not a spoiler because you don't, I like, I left not knowing if it was a dream or not a dream. I was just like, what? Anyway. Right. So that was one for me that I was like, uh, it, it, and you know what, maybe to be fair, like, I don't know if it was like full on, like crazy rich Asians where it's like, this is amazing. You got to see that. Oh my gosh. Da, 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 da. I don't know if it was like that, but it was like, it, it, it was pretty critically acclaimed and people raved. Yeah, yeah, it was. People raved about the performances. And I mean, Christian Bale was, was amazing as the lead in it. Like there is a scene where he's walking through the hallway with like the chainsaw covered in blood. And he's just got like that look on his face. And you're just like, Oh my God, like, I hope I don't ever run into somebody like you in my life. But, uh, Overall, as a film as a whole, I was like, I, I was I was really disappointed at the end. I was like, oh, that was a waste of time. Right. It's a shame. Uh, Hayden, do you have a... Uh, Wait a minute. We'll ask your, the questions here, movie? shall we? <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, I'm co-host today, okay? Oh, that's Let true. Let me ask my question. I take, I take it back. Special I, co-host. I immediately regret saying that. You're right. Uh, no, Thank kidding. you for throwing that no, in my kidding. face. You're never welcome back again. <laughs> Hate him. <laughs> now, see, I I totally did. I, I misplaced the question, so I went total opposite way. So I went to films that were certified rotten, most likely, but made a squillion dollars at the box office. So I don't know if uh, like if you, I'll give like a juxtapose of the, I like the opposite it. side of of this. And I don't know, there's many that I could talk with, and I'm going to just quickly pull them up because can I remember them? Well, I mean, I could throw them off the top of my head, and we've talked about them before, especially two episodes ago on the old Bayhem. But Transformers films, after the first one or two, still made a bazillion dollars, so they kept getting made. Weren't very fresh at all. Um, What else did I put in here? The one that uh, I wanted to talk about, the Fast and the Furious franchise, but I'm going to leave that because Rachel's actually going to talk about that one. But those films, they're entertainment and good. They're not great cinema, though. Whoa, whoa. Right, but they make hey. lots of hey. money. I just hey. said, hey, I didn't hey. say it was bad. Saddle. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was bad. I said it was good. I said it was good, but they're not great. It's not great cinema, right? It's popcorn cinema. It's different. 
Okay, I'll give you that. Because you were talking about critically acclaimed films. Uh, yeah. They're not, they're not critically acclaimed. That's true. Okay, I'll take it back. And um, you'll take it back. And then I could also be blasphemous to Star Wars, but I'm not going to be. Mm-mm. But what the critics said. No, we'll edit this out, Hayden. Don't even say it. Yeah, don't you dare! Don't you dare! I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave mouth. it. You shut your mouth. You know that I'm a. I'm a you're talking too much. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Uh, um, because I'm a DC boy, and I was super excited about the DC expanded universe coming to cinemas, and they they keep swinging for the fences, and they always fall short. But one that I was super excited about, which is maybe gonna get. A good second go, but it's the first Suicide Squad film, right? I've watched that. It was decent. You could tell that the producers had their sticky little fingers all over the edit Mm -hmm. and turned it into a mess. (laughs) Yet it still made $800 million worldwide. Yeah. Rotten film, because the studio had their hand in it, and obviously Warner Brothers is seeing their fault there and they're allowing like the Schneider cut to come out because they're like, we've got to stop doing this. We did it with Suicide Squad. We did it with Justice League. We did it with Batman versus Superman. Maybe we should let the directors actually do their job and we won't touch their films and they will do better. But each one of those films made almost a billion dollars, if not a billion dollars, yet were critically panned. But I wanted to say the Suicide Squad one because – it's the it was the first one that kind of came out and I and I watched that and I was like it's got a stacked cast it's got you know Oscar nominees Margot Robbie Will Smith um, and uh, Jared Leto Oscar winner actually and uh, and I was like this is going to be good and then of course the studio went and ruined it mm. Warner Brothers stay out of it I wonder I remember, James Gunn I remember watching that movie in theaters and I was I was very very disappointed like I think that they did a fantastic job with the trailer it got me so excited the trailer did yes and then when I I, I mean I didn't walk out of it but I it did cross my mind it literally crossed my mind to walk out of the theaters <laughs> I've given up on DC ever since Christopher Chris, Christopher Nolan left I was like uh didn't like didn't like like I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they'll need to 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 get me back. But DC, you got to figure your stuff out, man. Like, eh. Well, this is why I was talking about Suicide Squad because James Gunn is doing the next Suicide yeah. Squad. Oh, it's gonna uh, be good. He, it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Oh, yeah. And he's got like John Cena is in one of the the lead roles. And he's coming he's along, giving, man. Hey. Yeah. Cena and um. <laughs> It's got Idris Elba. It's got Margot Robbie's going to be in it. And I think the studio is actually going to let him do his thing, especially after the success he's had with Guardians, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it, people. We told you that it was going to be awesome, and it almost lived up to the hype. Do you know why that was? Uh, we didn't get enough of you because I got the question wrong. Yeah, I researched badly, poorly, bad research, incorrectly, incorrectly. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. Man, I like talking to him. We'll get him on again sometime. Uh, but you know what, people? We don't have time for speed quotes now because we had some other stuff that we felt like was more important. So, yeah, take that. Um, 
but I know this is two in a row where we haven't had speed quotes or monologues or any of the fun little gamey game stuff. Uh, so we'll try and get it in for you next week if it's really bothersome. If you're happy to leave it out, then just message us and say, no, stop. <laughs> just keep it out. Or if you really like it, message us and say, put it back in. Don't ever lose it again. Because we don't know what you like. Anyways, I'm rambling now. I do want to send it to Rachel. We're going to go right to Rachel. But Rachel, <laughs> because I like to challenge, um, because I, I mean, I haven't yet, but I'm going to start. I'm going to start throwing you a little trivia before all of your reviews because you are so knowledgeable in the field of film. Uh, Hayden couldn't get this one, so uh, no pressure to you. But question, Rachel, what was Alfred Hitchcock's first color film? Take it away, Rachel. She's probably not gonna get it right. I'll probably eat my words. Hey guys. Welcome to another episode of Rachel's Reviews. First, I do want to start out by telling Justin that he does need to eat his words. Um, And I got that answer to his Alfred Hitchcock question right immediately after he said it. The answer is rope. Um, It is quite possibly up there as one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Um, If you know me, you know I really love Jimmy Stewart. So that movie stars Jimmy Stewart and is um, a really fascinating film. Um, It's done, it's supposed to look like it's done in certain uh, long shots. They are cut, but it is very, uh, it's just such a phenomenal film. So if you haven't seen Rope yet, highly agree or highly recommend it. Um, But I have, let's see what I've been watching. Um, We've been watching a lot lately in this house. (laughs) A lot. Um, A lot of foreign film as well. We started the Once Upon a Time in China films um, directed by Choi Hark, um, which I watched my first Choi Hark film, Choi Hawk film the other day, um, which is called, oh gosh, what was it? It was wild. It was called Time and Tide. And it's crazy. So good. Definitely watch it. Um, we watched Who Am I as well, The Witch Stars, Jackie Chan, directed by Jackie Chan. Um, Hayden and I talked about that a little bit the other day. Um, and then, like I said, yeah, we started watching the Once Upon a Time in China films, um, directed by Choi Hark, uh, starring Jet Li. Um, and then Donnie Yen is in the second one. And it's really rough to watch that one because Donnie Yen's the bad guy and he's like such a lovable man in general. I'm like, I, I don't want to, you know, go against you. But worth every minute. They're, they're really great films. They are very long, so just do, definitely do keep that in mind. Um, I've done a little bit of rewatching lately, and then um, last night I watched The Towering Inferno, which was very long as well, um, but it is so worth it. I mean, you get Steve McQueen and um, Paul Newman in one movie together, together in a, like, in a scene finally towards the end, but oh, wonderful people. All right, so I'm just going to get into my topic. I'm going to ping pong off of what the boys were talking about with uh, black filmmakers. Um, And 
my stance on filmmakers of color stands just where I am with female filmmakers, that we need to amplify these voices more and we need to give them more credit, um, give them more opportunities, um, not only in front of the screen, but behind the screen. And we need to support their films and we need to see them. So, you know, I'm going to try and put together a list for you guys to of movies that you can watch and that are readily available on some streaming sites. Um, I'm hoping to get that together soon to send over to the boys. So hopefully you'll be able to watch some. So I'm going to go through a couple movies that um, I really enjoy. And when I think um, black filmmakers, these are ones that come to mind first and foremost. So the first one is the boys were uh, mentioning Spike Lee. I do want to piggyback off of that and mention the film Do the Right Thing. Um, I actually only watched it for the first time last year, but every time that I think about Black filmmakers, Spike Lee comes to mind because of how vocal he is about being Black in America and the hardships and stuff that's going on on their end, um, that his films are just so wonderful. And the boys mentioned Defy Bloods, which is on... um, Netflix, highly, highly recommended. Um, But yeah, this is Do the Right Thing. And it shows exactly what is still going on to this day, just back when Do the Right Thing came out. Um, First off, Spike was only 32 when he made this, so he was a year younger than I am now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And this was in 1989 that he created this film. Um, It is about a pizza shop owner in New York and he is a white male and he has a wall of fame and they're all white white actors and actresses and um Spike Lee's character works at that pizza shop delivering pies and it's this is a predominantly black area and the people that live there are having a problem with this wall because of the lack of people of color on the wall well obviously this sets tensions high fights break out Um, And it shows the clear racial divide between black and white, also with police. Um, As we know, this is a very difficult topic to talk about, I guess, for some, but it definitely needs to be called out, you know. And obviously, this is a movie is about like a huge racial divide, but it's very much worth the watch. And the cast is ridiculous. Like I said, Spike is in it. Giancarlo Esposito is in it at a very young age, well before Breaking Bad. Um, Danny Aiello, he's the pizza shop owner. Ossie Davis is in it, who is just, just everybody's so good in it. And um, I believe it's Rosie Perez. Is it Rosie Perez? I'm, I might be wrong on that one, but I love her too. All right, next one I'm bringing up is going to be Fruitvale Station. Um, you guys know the director Ryan Coogler. He did Creed Two. He did um, Black Panther, I think, right? Um, and I bring up Ryan Coogler because of the fact that he is a um, American Pavilion alumni which Hayden and I were part of American Pavilion. So um, Kugler was part of the program before us, obviously. But um, 2013 for Vail Station was his pretty much breakout. And it was pretty much the breakout role for Michael B. Jordan as well to then get everything that he has been doing since then, who he's probably one of my favorites. He's so handsome. But <laughs> the movie is about is a true story about a man named Oscar Grant who was um, killed by police officers in 2009 on New Year's Day at a BART station in Oakland. The BART is the um, Bay Area Bay Area Rapid Transit, I believe it stands for. 
Um, the police officer who shot him thought that he was reaching for his taser, but it was not. It was a gun and shot him in the back. Um, it's like I said, it is a true story. It's really sad because of the fact that it was a true story. And in real life, the officer was fired, charged with involuntary, involuntary manslaughter. Um, and he was only sentenced to 11 months. Um, so it's rough, but, uh, rest easy, Oscar Grant, and definitely give this movie a shot. And it is on Netflix. So I've got to bring in a female, probably one of the highest ranking female, uh, black directors right now, which is Ava DuVernay. Um, she's been doing so much. She works her butt off, but, um, bringing up the film Selma, everybody should watch Selma. It was nominated for Best Picture, it did not win, unfortunately. Um, it did win Best Song for Glory. That was sung by John Legend and Common, which is sends chills down my spine. I love it. It's just it's so good. But um, it is about the march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, um, in efforts... Um, like all of their stuff happened, you know, all the during civil rights eras and whatnot. Um, but it led to the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Um, and David Oyelowo um, stars as Martin Luther King Jr. And he's phenomenal. The movie is just phenomenal. Highly recommended. I, I think you can watch it. I think you can watch it on Hulu if you have like a premium package, but otherwise you can rent it um, very cheaply. I think it's on Vudu and Prime and anywhere you can rent for it's like $2.99, $3.99 or something like that, but it's well worth the money. And the last movie I'm going to bring up is something that I watched very recently that my boyfriend mentioned that um, is very good. And it's called One False Move from a director named Carl Franklin. Um, And this is actually the movie that broke out Billy Bob Thornton into the industry. He wrote the script and he also is a star in the film who is creepy as anything. I, I'm sure Billy Bob Thornton is typecast as a creeper pretty much. (laughs) So it's okay. He's really good in it though, but it's about um, three individuals, two men and a woman. Um, They're drug dealers and they're murderers and they're on the run from LA to um, a little town in Arkansas. And these two LAPD officers go to Arkansas to help that local um, district in aiding to capture these criminals. And the um, the person in Arkansas in the force is Bill Paxton, and his character's name is Dale Dixon. I miss Bill Paxton. With all my heart. So they go to Arkansas to alert of these fugitives that are coming to their area for hiding. Um, and it's they underestimate Bill Paxton's character because it's a very nonchalant little town. Not much happens. And if it does happen, it gets swept under the rug and kind of um, dealt with immediately. So it's very interesting to watch. Um, but everybody underestimates Bill Paxton's character, obviously. That's probably what would happen in any sort of movie. Um, so it's basically... It's a simple plot. However, there's such a hardcore underlining of um, the class in different parts of the America, of America, of the America, of America from LA to, say, Arkansas, um, and also shows a racial of how 
high racism is in low in smaller towns where as in bigger diverse cities um it's really really interesting it's phenomenally act casted everybody does so well um it's available on the criterion channel right now if you have criterion channel otherwise you can rent it for verily um fairly inexpensive amount of money on some other streaming sites. Um, Carl Franklin also did Devil in a Blue Dress, which I still need to see. That stars Denzel Washington. So bringing back the Washington talking from the boys. So these are four uh, recommendations that I have. The one that I'm excited to come out soon, hopefully it comes out in 2021. I'm not too sure. They pushed it back from a 2020 release because of COVID, but um, a filmmaker, her name is Nia DaCosta, and she is doing a rendition of Candyman, which is a horror movie um, starring, the original one stars Tony Todd and Virginia Mason. Um, It's a really great horror movie. I don't want to give anything away because I want everybody to be surprised if they watch it, but it is really good. But Nia DaCosta has a version of it coming out. Um, I believe the producer is it. Part of it is uh, Jordan Peele with his monkey Paul. I think it's monkey Paul productions is his company's name. Um, but everybody keeps calling it Jordan Peele's Candyman, which it is not. To everybody that's reporting on Candyman, it is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. It is a female black director who's, it deserves this attention. So this is what I have for you guys this week. It's probably a little long, but um, hopefully you guys watch some great movies and I'll get out some recommendations for you guys on Instagram soon. All right. Have a good one, guys. Bye. And welcome back, folks. Now, Rachel, congratulations on getting that question. Absolutely 100% correct. Anyway, thanks again for an absolutely wonderful uh, Rachel's review and recommendation and think piece all rolled into one, I'm sure. Favorite part of every episode every week. Uh, A lot of listeners' favorite parts as well. Uh, We really appreciate it. I send all the love in the world to you for doing this week in and week out. It's the best, most wonderful. I'm I'm not a thesaurus tonight, I'm sorry, but (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's getting to that time of the night, folks, where it sounds like I've had a lot of these, but I've had none of these. But it's the Whiskey Shot. And the Whiskey Shot, folks, as I mention every week, is a term that we have modified from the Martini Shot, which is an old film term used to announce to the cast and crew that the final shot of the day was coming up and it was almost wrap time. We decided to change it to Whiskey because we have a history with Whiskey. (laughs) And (laughs) our name was almost a cheap Whiskey. Or was yes. it a bourbon? I can't remember. That's a story for another time. It is a whiskey. But the whiskey, the whiskey shot is where we discuss and where we throw out our final thoughts of the day uh, and let everyone know what we are going to be doing in the week to come, what we're going to be watching, writing, consuming, discussing, all of that jazz. So I'll start her off and I'll let – Justin wave his jazz hands, his jazz flute on silent while I talk. But um, I'm going to continue on with the crew because I'm really enjoying that comedy. I'm a huge fan of laughter. Um, I'm going to be watching Malcolm and Marie, um, see what all the the goss is on that one because it's getting murmurs for awards. So I'm like, ooh, I want to watch this. 
Uh, and it's also going to give me some ideas on how I can modify a script that I've already written called a thousand words into uh, a more attainable shooting script for us to do sometime later this year. Stay tuned, folks, for that one. It's going to be more moving pictures coming from Wooden Bull Films later in the year. You heard it here first. We don't just sound pretty on the radio. <laughs> we also look pretty good on camera. Well, Justin does at least. That's why I'm behind the camera. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> there's going to be a new episode of WandaVision that has been released on Friday. So I'm going to be watching that. And I also will have tomorrow night, the end of the week, I'm going to have some podcasting to do. But I'm also going to have a good old time at the keyboard writing some new pages. Hashtag get those pages. Hashtag pages, those pages. For the new sci-fi script that I'm writing. So that's my week ahead. Some page writing, some script writing, some podcasting, editing, and I'm probably going to chitty chat with this man on the other microphone all week because why not? So Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Justin Turnbull, what have you got coming up? You got any final thoughts or any uh, anything you got going on? Anything. I am going to um oh there's like a string of like really sort of dark murdery documentaries on Netflix that I'm going to watch <laughs> like the Night Stalker or the uh I've been wanting to watch the Gabriel Fernandez one for a while and the Cecil Hotel one. Anyways, you know, just really want to be depressed and freaked out and not feel good for a week. No, uh, but I do. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to watch those. Um, Firefly Lane. Gonna keep going with that. We sort of got off it for a bit because Kate started watching a, a show on her own and she's been really into that. So I've been doing my own thing while she was doing that. And I do want to say if you've made it this far into the episode, I'll give you a little teaser because Hayden and I were talking in the pre-show and we want to do a little, a little something Something, something for y'all. I think we're, we're, we're going to, I think we are, we're going to do a March Madness giveaway. So we'll probably announce it first officially on the next episode and continue talking about it all through March. And then at the end of the March, the very start of April, do a giveaway. So. Sneak that little bit in at the end of this episode. And hashtag get those pages. I was like Hayden sort of stalled out on the writing. Um, I mean, I'm really frustrated with my computer right now. Most of the times when I sit down on it, I want to burn it. So, so but I got I just I can't use that as an excuse. I'm just, I got to just sit down and just sit down and get back at it. We should start a crowdfund. Get Justin a new laptop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Get me a new laptop. Just write it out by hand. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's about it. I think that's about all I'm about willing to take on. Um, but I do want to leave our listeners with this a little trivia. We started it, gave um, Rachel a little trivia. So I want to give you the listener a little trivia. Don't Google this, people. Okay? Just guess. And if you get it right, you're awesome. If you get it right because you Googled it, then we'll never know. But not cool. Uh, But the question is, what is the first movie that was given the title Blockbuster? Oh, oh, Hayden's pointing to his brain. He might have that stored in the old hippocampus up there. My old woodhead, the old noggin. The old noggin. Might have the answer, I'll tell you all the Ooh, nice. But that's it. That's, what I, that's all I've got. Those are the things that I want to do. Anything extra is a bonus. And that's that. Right on, right on, folks. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, this was a good little episode. Thanks for listening to us talk about all things film and television related. We threw in a little bit of our own stuff there. That was mostly our own opinions on things. Um, I'm going to finish it off with this. Spicy maple whiskey vanilla ice cream. Hmm. What a flavor that is. And I'm thankful that I have it every week. You can have your own too. You just have to find it. So, this is Mr. Hayden Woodhead, a.k.a. The Bruv. Signing off for yet another fantastic episode. Thanks, everyone. I can't follow that, but I'm Mr. Fantastic. See you later.